I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Welcome to Bellwether. We're going to talk about similarities and processes and cyclical stuff. It's all kind of fun, but it's very, very relevant. What I want to talk about today, and what I'm going to talk about today, I want to talk about similarities between now and 2007, which I've talked a little bit about in the past. I'm going to talk about it again because it's extremely relevant. And every single one, every single one of my clients, I'm having a conversation in some way about this. And this isn't just relevant today. It's going to be relevant later. Everything is cyclical. We know about that. But I want to chat about uh, similarities between now and 2007. And when I say 2007, for those who may not, um, who may, it may not trigger particular memories, the same memories that I have, 2007 was the lead up to the financial crisis and, and the downturn and, and all of that negative, uh, difficult time that, that people reference. Um, now, I don't want to talk about similarities today in terms of investing, because that's where most of it goes. When we talk about economy, we talk about how people can invest in different ways and prepare for it that way. I don't want to talk about that because this isn't the forum for that. What I, I do want to talk about, similarities between now and then. I want to talk about what I learned back then, because what you may not know about me and my corporate career, I was working in executive communications, PR, investor relations, business strategy, all that stuff in the financial industry during the financial crash. So I had a lot of exposure to executives who did things well and not. So I'm going to talk about that, what they did well and didn't. And then I want to talk about you as an individual, how you can set yourself up for um, whatever it is that's coming. So I will say two things. Right at the right at the top, well, maybe three things. One, um, we know that business is cyclical. We know that it's a process. So when we look at challenges that are coming, we could find similarities to the past, and we make good decisions based on that data. That's what we do. We take examples from what happened before, what happened, how is that relevant today? Let's reflect. Okay, how do we make decisions going forward? That informs our decisions today. Some of these cycles are extremely long. Like if you read the Ray Dalio books, he's looking at them over centuries and, and everything else. Some of them are much shorter, like market corrections and everything are every, what, 10 years or so, give or take, 10 to 15 years. And that's where we're looking at ourselves now. Um, so that's that. Two, I don't want to talk, again, I don't want to get into um, investing right now because that's, I just don't want to do that, right? Whatever. Invest how you want to invest. I'm not going to tell you what's right or wrong, but I want to talk about how you're getting yourself ready personally, individually for this, because there's a bigger picture than just how you're investing um, and trying to time the market. I'm not looking to time the market. That's also stupid. Number three, I will say you as an individual. Well, you know, before I get to you as an individual, I want to start everything right at the top. I have a belief. This is my number three. I have a belief that I'm all... Organizations have an absolute, I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying it, they have an absolute obligation to prepare their people for whatever change is coming. I'm talking to boardrooms right now, and these conversations are happening, and in, in every executive team is discussing it. This isn't filtering down to the people in your organization. 
yet they hear the experts talking about what's coming. It is just, it's not expensive to do this. It's about telling them, you know, giving them insight into the decisions that are being made, but also giving them the skill set or ability to prepare for this on an individual basis. Um, one is the right thing to do. Uh, and two, it, it, it will build a loyalty um, and it's revamping your people strategy and it's setting yourself up for success later. So I won't dive into that, but that is a firm belief of mine. If you are running an organization and you have not been doing this, call me because I can, this is, I have the plan and the, the thing that we could structure this out. It's a cascade. Every client is talking about this, but let's get into number four, because this is what I want to talk about today. You as an individual, right? It's nice to think that the organization would have this obligation and do those things for you and, and take care of you and do all that stuff. Um, but ultimately, most of them aren't going to do it. And that's that's just a reality, right? We, we could talk about the organization is supposed to be preparing you for all kinds of stuff and two-way loyalty and all kind of nonsense, right? It's great in theory. It doesn't happen in reality. You, as an individual, are solely responsible for preparing yourself for whatever happens in the next 12 to 24 months. Okay. You could blame people for what happened. You can blame people for whatever, but ultimately it's up to you. And I'm going to talk to you about that today. So we're going to talk first about similarities between now and 2007. I'm going to tell you what the executives did well and didn't do well in 2007. And then I'm going to wrap this up by what can you as an individual take responsibility for? What steps can you take to set yourself up uh, so that relatively against your peers and everybody else, you're in a, a much better position to, to execute on whatever it is you have to execute when, when things go haywire. So um, we don't know when. So let's talk about similarities um, between now and 2007. Um, I won't get into to how it happens, but, but if we were to take just a big picture look at now versus then, the cycle. Okay, we're, we're looking at the, the economic cycle without getting to very broad strokes. Um, there's a debt bubble. Okay, we got it. Housing crisis back then, it's credit today. Um, when we take a look at the buy now, pay later stuff and, and all of that, and amongst other things. Money is cheap. There's tons of money out there. Um, firms are taking hits significant hits the economy like people are pulling back they're starting to feel it they're not spending money it was financial back then we're seeing it's already in technology technology firms have already been laying people off um so there's a lot of organizational distress that's happening um that a lot of employees are talking to me about we feel it we don't know what's going to happen i'm nervous am i still going to have a job right it's it's and on top of that do i have to go back to the office and all kinds of other stress it's, it's crazy um, there's a false confidence in people's money and they're starting to realize it, uh, because they don't fully understand how it works. So before it was in, in buying houses for like crazy mortgage stuff that, that blew up and then investing in things with mortgages that they didn't, they didn't fully understand the tech, the financial firms didn't fully understand it. Now we see it with, um, especially with crypto, um, people don't fully get it and there's going to be a lot of people holding the bag uh, and it's going to be empty. So there's a, there's a significant, and we've been saying this for a while, um, it hasn't happened yet, that's fine. This isn't about timing it. We just know, most people will recognize there's going to be a crash, okay? Um, 
We don't know when it's going to happen. We just know it is going to happen. And relatively soon. Anybody who tells you exactly when it's going to happen is is wrong, right? Or at least, you know, broken clock is right twice type of deal, right? They can guess. Um, but it's nothing more than a guess. And that's why I'm not telling you about investments and how to investment. So, um, but we know it's a guarantee that the market's going to crash at some point. How much it is, nobody knows. Um, but as it collapses, firms will collapse with it. They will stop spending money. They're going to lay off people. And it's the swift correction and layoffs, whether it's the next 12 months, 24 months, who knows. Um, But it's going to happen. So that's the similarities between now and 2007. And the feeling you have, the uncertainty you have, there's volatility. Things are getting a little crazy. Market's down a little bit. You're looking around at your friends who might be getting laid off. And you see the LinkedIn things more and more putting open to work. And um, there's just disruption everywhere. And so you just, you know, kind of like your, your spidey senses are up. So um, it happened before in 2007. It happened before in 2000. It happened before, you know, we can look back in all of these shorter cycles, right? 10 to 15 years. We know it's happened before. What can we learn from it? So what did I learn back in 2007? Um, here's what I learned in 2007. Well, you don't probably don't know about me. I don't talk much about my career, my corporate career. So I'm going to talk about it just for a minute. The majority of my corporate career, 20 years, whatever, um, was spent in the financial industry doing, before the financial industry, I did a lot of international training and, and corporate training and stuff like that. But I evolved into executive communications, public relations, investor relations, business strategy, like those four kind of things. And it, it evolved into different different things. Um whether it was preparing for earnings calls to writing speeches to let's put together the strategic plan for the next six months, 12 months, five years. Like those were the, that was the type of work I was doing. In 2007, I was doing public relations, investor relations, communications work, executive communications work in the financial industry during the financial crisis. It was, it's where I earned my chops, uh, burned myself out, um, worst possible job at the worst possible time you could probably have. And fortunately for me, I was at a firm that had a very strong executive leadership team and we were in a relatively good position compared to other financial organizations. So um, that being said, it was a, a horrible, it wasn't a horrible job, right? It was, it was a stressful, difficult job, right? I worked with great people. They were wonderful people. Um, but, but my, my fortunate aspect of this, when I look back and think about it, is that I, I learned so much from good executives, these men and women who were able to navigate it in such a good way that it impacted everything else that I continued continue to do in, in my career. So um, I learned a lot. There were executives who did it well and executives who didn't. And the ones who did it well survived. Um, and the ones who didn't, I mean, they're still alive, they survived, but but they became victims. I call it victims of a down economy, right? They weren't working there anymore. And, um, and that's what I want to talk about today. Let's talk about what those executives did well, because there's a big difference between today and 2007. And the difference today with the next downturn is that companies have invested in technology that's going to backfill gaps, 
So it's going to be a little more abrupt. Normally when you got laid off, you just landed at another company within the same industry and doing the same kind of job, but whatever, right? Small industry, small world, whatever. Technology is not, not going to allow for that anymore. So let's talk about what the executives did well who survived. And this is translatable to any industry. It has nothing to do um, with your industry. It has nothing to do with your organization. It has nothing to do with any of those. It has to do with the individual as an executive. C-suite, MD, I would say director and above. These are the people who did extremely, extremely well. And if you're below director level, right, middle management and below, translate this to articulate your value in the moment. We're going to talk about that in, in, a, in a second because it's going to become survival time. And that survival time comes from starting now. So here's what, what the executives did well. Number one, uh, they understood their message and their audience. And the message was different by executive, but we had three audiences when we were talking during the financial crisis. We were talking to employees of the organization that, yes, we're strong enough, you're going to be okay. We had clients, your money's safe here, and we had investors. So, and, you know, please continue investing us. We're, we're solid and everything else. Same message, but nuanced based on the audience. Now, you could translate that. That was for just finance. You could translate into retail. You could translate that into um, consumer goods. You could translate that into law. You could translate that into anything based on who your three audiences are. Okay. And I'm, I'm talking about it from an executive standpoint, but even a little bit below, right? Are your clients people within the organization? Are the people working for you, the people you're reporting to? Like all of these are different types of audiences. What's your message in terms of value and what you're doing? Uh, which leads me to number two. Those executives understood their value. Not on the work they did, but where they fit into the bigger picture. So there were two aspects. Yeah, you're doing work day to day, but where do you fit into the bigger picture? And that's what they, they were able to articulate that extremely, extremely well. In addition to that, they understood a larger cyclical vision and understood where they were in the context of the world with this smart kind of this too shall pass, right? They're thinking ahead for five years. The world will be better in five years. We have to make short-term decisions to get us to there. So they were able to do this efficacy exercise, put their value on top of it, and then communicate it to three different audiences. That's what they did well. Those executives who were able to do that skyrocketed throughout the organization, throughout the industry, and, and continue to be successful today. And I'm going to talk about how you can, how you can translate that in, into yourself. But when we think about what you can do today and what those executives did, it really fundamentally comes down to what's the big picture and having perspective, understanding where you fit in that bigger perspective, and then communicating to who it matters to communicate it to in a way that they will pick it up, understand, and embrace. Honest and, and of course, truthful and, and doing it um, with sincerity and authenticity and all of that good stuff. Um, so that's what the executives did well, the ones who survived any kind of, of down economy. So let's talk about you. Let's talk, let's talk about you as you sit 
on your run or riding in your car as you listen to this and sit in traffic and play this in the background while you do work and multitask. Um, let's, let's make it real. How can you prepare for the downturn so that it's not as impactful to you as anybody else? And, and there's a larger program, I suppose you could call it, that I do at corporate that we can, it's like a full day thing that we can get people really ready. But I'm going to give you kind of a shortened version. I want you to, to do um, three things. And these are not difficult or um, it's just not difficult. Okay. It just takes a little bit of time. Th- these are maybe um, two 15 minute exercises and then a longer, bigger one. But we'll, we'll talk about that. The longer, bigger one I'm going to start with first, network. Um, We want to set ourselves up for success when that downturn happens. And that happens today. Okay. Oftentimes when the market crashes and there's a downturn and people get laid off, everybody scrambles into the networking world to try and find a job and start networking. And it's too little, too late. The point of a network is for people to share their network with you when you need it. But you have to be tapped into that network already. Nobody's going to give it to anybody fly by night. Um, We don't hit up our networks for sales or jobs or anything like that. Those people who already have meaningful relationships are then able to use their network for meaningful introductions that will put them at the head of the pack. So that is step number one. Pull out the Rolodex and get in front of people today with no agenda other than building a relationship. It's a a relationship economic thing that you can start today, every day, pick three people or or every week, pick three people, whatever. Like it's not, or every day, just send out one note. Find one person, send a day. Hey, checking in, hope you're doing well. How about a Zoom call just to catch up or let's grab coffee, I'm gonna be in your neighborhood, whatever it is. It's it's going to be, it's, it's a task item that you're gonna have to do and I highly recommend you do it immediately because your network is going to get stressed. There's going to be a stress test on your network as well. It's not going to be as strong as you think it is when the market collapses. So you need to really invest in that today. That's number one. That's going to be the most amount of work that you're going to have to do, but you can do it. Have fun with it, right? It's not, you're not selling anything. It's literally checking in with people and saying hello. Number two, and meeting new people, right? There there are ways to meet new people. Uh, Number two, Articulate your value. This is one of the 15-minute exercises, right? You could sit it down. We got to talk about your message. And I'm not talking about a message in terms of your elevator pitch. It's going to be scripted and blah, 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 blah. You know, you're going to say it. Nobody really listens to it. And, and you know, we've completely bastardized um, how we amp ourselves up for networking and, and everything else. Let's just talk about what value you bring. It could be bullet points. But sit and do it so that you can articulate and think about what value you actually bring and recognize it so you could talk about it in just a matter-of-fact way. Not a recitation of stuff that you do, but value and curiosity into to why you can bring value to your organization because you may not be doing that right now. You may be able to articulate or bring a value that you're not doing based on the way that your job has evolved. So think through the value that you can actually bring. And then think about how to message it, right? Not as a script, but it's just, this is what I do well. This is what I enjoy doing. 
This is, you know, oh, this is whatever, right? Remember when I did this? As you're talking about reviews, getting credit, taking, you know, taking credit for the value that you bring is going to be a very important aspect to, to the downturn. And you want to be prepared to do that. You're able to do that when you understand what value you bring. And then finally, number three, who's your audience? Think about who your audience is. Who do you need to be in front of? 15-minute exercise. And when I think about not just individuals, categorize them, right? I talked before in finance, we had shareholders and um, uh, employees and clients. What are your three buckets? And how does your message, the value that you're articulating, what nuance goes in based on those three audiences? And that's another quick 15-minute exercise. And once it's done, you literally sit down. It's 15 minutes. It can evolve over time as you think about it. Go for a run. Think about it. You know what? Yeah, scratch that out. I want to do it again. You're going to have it and dust it off when you need it. It's a one-time 15-minute exercise that can be dusted off later. It will put you miles ahead of everybody who's scrambling when something happens. In the next, I don't know, 6, 12, 24 months, whenever it is. Who knows when it's going to happen, right? But it's going to be done. Do it this weekend. Why waste your time? You know what I mean? Why wait? Why wait? Why wait until it's too late? That's what I say. Um, (laughs) So that's it. A lot of similarities. Sorry, this went longer than I thought it would. 20 minutes. Um, A lot of similarities. I'm seeing it. I'm talking to clients. I'm talking to leadership teams. I'm talking to all of these people about how to save the business. But nobody's, you know, well, some of them are, right? We're actually putting together people strategy items and what's the program that we can teach their people and um, how do we set them up for, you know, a three, four kind of session thing just to get people thinking about what it is that's coming and how are they preparing themselves in this type of work. And there's, you know, plenty more that we could do. But um, so organizations are, are talking about this. Your responsibility, however, is going to be taking care of yourself. And so I encourage you to do that. I hope this was helpful. I hope you enjoy it. And good luck with everything as the world as the world turns and evolves. I hope uh, I hope this is meaningful and helpful and, and sets you up for much, much, much success as we continue to navigate this crazy world. As always, I'm here. If I can be helpful, feel free to reach out. I look forward to seeing everybody at one of our events. We have some events coming up in person, virtually. Check out the website, bellwetherhub.com for more. And as always, I look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.